Anybody go to Graham and Ann this summer? Is that on your list? You got, you got, you, Angela went to Graham and Ann. And if, go now. You can see whales just on the ferry when you're crossing over. I'm not, not guaranteeing whales, okay? I'm not going to pay your ferry if you go and don't see whales. But this is the time to go and uh, make reservations. You can go in the morning and spend a few hours on the island, come off in the afternoon or come off in the evening. I should be their minister of tourism. Get it? Minister? There's always the, the, the keeners that get it right away, and then, you, you know, the second bunch that come around eventually. I love New Brunswick in the summer. And, uh, and I'm also here in the winter. Uh, friends invited us out to Casey Cape last Sunday. Any Casey Capers here this morning? Any, any Cape people? No, we need to work on the Cape. Nadine, you're from, the, you're from Casey Cape. Any balcony Casey Cape? No? All right. Well, we got, we got to work on that side of the, the coast for sure. Um, we have a lot of people driving in from uh, Grand Barishois and Shediac, Grandier, Capillet, all those areas. And uh, we've always... Uh, I, was, I was talking this over with Pastor Buckingham uh, this last week, I think. And, and it's always been a part of the vision of this church that our French Acadian friends would, would want to come here, that they would, they'd be welcome, they'd want to come and worship here. Uh, God is stirring something up in the Acadians, and it's not just Putin. And wouldn't it be cool... If revival in Atlantic Canada started in the French Acadian community, wouldn't that be cool? That's, that's not a word of prophecy. I'm just saying, wouldn't, wouldn't that be, that'd be extra cool. Revival would be cool. But if it started from that, yeah, that'd be, that'd be over the top. Amazing. Our summer series, Going Viral, is a study in the book of Acts, looking at how the early church and the message of Jesus went viral in the first century and what that teaches us for today and how our lives and this church could go viral for Jesus in this generation. I want it to happen now. And uh, so we're talking about that. Uh, last Sunday, Graham Perry did an awesome job preaching for the first time on this stage as a pastor of this church. Good job, Pastor Graham. Today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 19. And in Acts 19, Paul is in a period of extended ministry in Ephesus. And he's preaching and teaching and healing and building the church. And people are coming to Jesus. And the whole thing is starting to, to go viral. And if you were going back over this like a, like a historian or an archaeologist, if you were going back over this text trying to, you know, search for, you know, what, what you could extract, what are the reasons, what are the causes that for the early church to just come storming out of the first century. If you were excavating this text, it, chapter 19 is loaded with gold. Because we see in chapter 19 of Acts that these people, they didn't just, you know, nod and, and kind of agree with Paul's teaching about Jesus. They didn't just, you know, add Jesus to their list of all the other foreign gods. And they didn't just add Jesus into their, their pre-existing belief systems. Ephesus was famous for its openness to idol worship and uh, its multiplicity of beliefs. If you visited Ephesus in the first century, uh, what you would do instead of, like, you wouldn't take home a t-shirt that said, I went, you know, my grandparents went to Ephesus and all I got was this. If you went to Ephesus in the first century, what you would take home, the trinket that you would buy would be a miniature idol to one of their many gods. 
And, and there was big business in Ephesus to, for people to be making all these little idols. And all the tourists and all the merchants and all the people traveling in that part of the world would go into Ephesus, buy one of those little idols, and take it home and say, look, here's evidence, here's proof that I was, in, uh, that I was there. But these folks, they didn't just accept Jesus as one other possible way to connect with the spiritual world or as another possible gateway into eternity. These people, with with Paul's ministry and Paul's teaching, these people came to see Jesus as the one true Messiah, the God above all the other gods that they had ever heard of, the King of all kings. And what we're going to see this morning is that Jesus didn't die on a cross to make your life marginally better. Or so that you could check off a little eternity box in your head and say, well, I, I, I've been there, done that, and I, and I got that checked off. We're going to see that, that when, when we accept Jesus and all that Jesus has done for us, and when we receive all that, that God wants to give us, we let go of anything that could possibly come between us and, and our relationship with God. When, when we accept him, And when we receive, part of that is letting go of anything and everything that might possibly come between you and God. The more I let go of, the more I receive. In God's economy, the way this works is the the more that I let go of and surrender. We just finished singing, I surrender. I surrender. We just finished singing, break every chain. The more that I let go of, the more I receive. Say it with me. The more I let go of, the more I receive. Say it again. The more I let go of, the more I receive. And what all the the doubters in Ephesus and the skeptics and and the accusers saw of these, these early first century followers of Jesus is that once these people encountered the real Jesus, their lives were radically transformed, not, not marginally improved. They, they weren't made just a little bit better. Their lives were rocked for Jesus, and they were radically transformed, and everybody saw it. And that's one of the reasons why the, the church went viral. Okay, here we go. Acts chapter... Let me get my glasses on, because I can't see nothing without them. Okay, Acts 19, verse 1. While Apollos was in Corinth, <clears throat> excuse me, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked, and they replied, the baptism of John. And Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years, so the people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. 
God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that, that merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits, and they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Siva, say that seven times fast, seven sons of a leading priest were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly, I imagine, all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. And a solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. And many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely, and it had a powerful effect. Well, we see at the beginning of this chapter that John the Baptist had already been to Ephesus, and he was baptizing people who were ready to repent of their sins. And he was telling them, you know, I, I'm, I'm repenting you now of your sins, but, but there's, there's one coming. I'm not the Messiah. The Messiah is coming. Jesus is coming. And he told them to watch for them. And when Paul bumps into these people and he hears their story, Paul wants them to get the full experience. A few Sundays ago, we had a Uh, A baptism tank right here. For those of you who weren't here, it was the first Sunday of August, the long weekend of of August. We had a tank right here, and we got to cheer on 19 people as they were were right there, splash. And what we see in this text is that baptism is not a checkbox for heaven. It's not just about a a one-time repenting. Baptism is declaring and believing in Jesus, that you know Jesus, and and that you are going to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. It's not just about what that moment that happens in the tank, which is, which is really, really cool, and, and you'll never forget your moment of, of baptism, but it's, it's not just about that. It's, it's, it's you're going to live for Jesus. You're going to have a, a relationship with Jesus for the rest of it. It's not a checkbox. It's the way that you're going to live. It's a lifestyle, the way that you're going to live for the rest of your life. So these folks had made a one-time decision to repent. And they knew about Jesus. But Paul teaches them that they, they need to go further. He teaches them that, that Jesus lived and he, and he died for our sins. And, and, and he taught, taught them about the resurrection. And that he rose again. And that hundreds of people saw him. And then Paul would have been able to share his own experience. He would have been able to tell them, look, this is who I was before Jesus And uh, this is my experience. This is the encounter I had with Jesus. And then this is my life after Jesus. That you can do that. You can do that with anyone. You can tell people, this is who I was. This is what happened. And this is who I am. This is what God has done in my life. And so Paul would have have told them about his his own radical encounter with Jesus. And then he re-baptizes them. 
into the truth that they can know this Jesus personally. They can have a relationship with Jesus. And uh, they can finally have the promise of the Holy Spirit. They can get the download from heaven. They can have God's presence living inside them. And now it's, now it's personal. Now you have a, a real relationship with the living God. And so Paul says, okay, you, you, you've done a good thing. You, you, you get one good step, but you, you need to go further. You need to go all the way. You need to go all in with Jesus. There is an eternity of difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. There's an eternity of difference. I mean, folks, be careful this morning that you don't just know about Jesus. Be sure today. I mean, this is a great opportunity for you to to leave this place this morning. Knowing for certain that you don't just know about Jesus. Like these people in Ephesus did. But that you have your own real personal encounter with with Jesus Christ. That you know him personally. That you've crossed that line of faith. And you've invited him to be Lord of your life. And you have invited his presence to come in to your life. And look, you don't want to be wrong about this. You can be wrong about a lot of things, but you don't want to be wrong about this one because there's an eternity of difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. And you can come to Moncton Wesleyan for years and just know about Jesus. That's, a, you know, we, we want you to keep coming and come closer. And, you know, that's good. We want you to keep learning and learning and learning. But at some point, we want you to know him personally. We want you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're being clear on this. And every time we invite someone to follow Jesus or be, or be baptized, we're being clear. We're, we're not calling people to be church attenders. We aren't asking people to make some half-hearted, wishy-washy, non-committal agreement of convenience with Jesus. I mean, what good is that? We're calling people to go all in. You know, 100%, hold nothing back. Give him your life. Follow Jesus no matter how hard it gets. Give him your future. Give him your finances. Give him your past. Give him your fears. Give him your hurts. Give him your doubts. The cross before you. The world behind you. Even if your friends leave you. Even if your family thinks you're nuts. Follow him. That's what we're calling people to do. Follow him. And Paul finds these people in the place between knowing about Jesus and really, truly knowing him and being filled with the Spirit of God. Makes me wish we had that portable baptismal right down front right now. <laughs> and we'll call again who wants to be baptized. If you ever, and if you ever do want to be baptized, you put that on that card and we'll have a baptism next Sunday. Uh, we'll always, always do that. You just let us know. Okay, verses uh, 11 and 12. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were dispelled. Now, this is an example of God doing whatever God needs to do to help people turn from whatever they're caught up in and, and follow him. Sometimes God will do Whatever God needs to do 
to help people turn from whatever it is that they're caught up in and follow him. In Mark chapter 5, there was a woman who had tried everything she could think of to be, to be healed of, her, of, a, of a, a bleeding condition. She spent all of her resources on every doctor and every possible cure that she could find. And in a moment of desperation, she, she, she just keeps pushing, 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 finding, getting through the crowd so that she can get closer and closer to Jesus. And, and, and in a desperate act of faith, she just thinks she can reach out and just, just if she could just get a piece of the, the hem, the bottom part of his, of his robe, of his cloak, his garment, if she could just grab a piece of it and she gets a piece of it and she's healed instantly. And Jesus knows, whew, like power just came out of him. He's like, oh, something just happened, right? And he stops the, the, whole, the whole scene and says to his disciples, somebody touched me. And they're like, um, yeah, the clue phone is ringing and it's for you. Jesus, you're, you're surrounded by people. There's thousands of people here. Everyone's touched. No, no, no. Somebody touched me for healing and I know it. And power came out of me. And I want to talk to that person. Back in Acts chapter 5, the Spirit of God was with Peter in such a strong and unusual way. That Luke says people were bringing their, their sick loved ones. And, and if they could just get the sick person within the shadow. Where's my You can't see my shadow up here. Just within the shadow of Peter. If they could just slide the sick person. Imagine. You're dragging around a sick person. Oh, Peter, would you just stand still for a minute? And they're... Dra- dragging their poor sick friend, you know, or carrying them or whatever. And they're just trying to get the sun right and the shadow right. And if we can just, if we can just get our sick friend under the shadow, the power of God was on Peter in such a strong and unusual way that if someone got in under the shadow, they were, they were, they were healed. Now, don't forget the backdrop of Ephesus. These people were steeped in centuries of idol worship, sorcery, magic, and whatever. And Luke says that God gave Paul the unusual power to perform miracles. God allowed Paul to demonstrate the, the, the all-powerful God, the power and the sovereignty of God in such an over-the-top way that, that people would just, they just, you wouldn't be able to argue with it or explain it any other way. You would say, that is the power of Jehovah, that's the power of the real God. That's the power of God. Maybe there have been times in your life when you desperately needed a sign from God. And maybe God came through for you at just the right moment with something that was so undeniable that you knew that was a God thing, that only God could have made that happen in your life. How many of you would say this morning that you've seen or experienced God do something unusual that could only be God, and, and, and it strengthened your faith along the way. How many of you would say that you've, you've experienced the hands all over, all over the place? In fact, it's possible that there's someone here right now, and just me mentioning this right now is confirmation to you. You needed a word from God. You came into church this morning needing a sign. You came into church, maybe, maybe you came in this morning hopeless, or defeated, or worried, or afraid, or in doubt, or whatever. And and the pastor is standing here this morning, giving you a direct word 
from the Lord. And you just, you just needed to hear that word. I want you to see this this morning. Whatever you've done, whatever you've been caught up in, whatever has been blocking Jesus in your life, God wants you to know today how deeply he loves you. And it's very possible that someone came in here this morning just needing to hear a word from God, just needing to to hear something like that. And God put it in the heart of the pastor to share that with you so that you would not give up, so that you wouldn't lose hope, so that you would leave here this morning just, again, you know, renewed and encouraged and strengthened and and just, just realizing God is for me. God sees me. God hears my cry. Whatever you've done, whatever you've been caught up in, whatever has been blocking Jesus in your life, God wants you to know today how deeply he loves you. You are most valuable to the most high God. You are a matter that matters. Your miracle today is that when you needed it the most, God put it in the pastor's heart to tell you not to give up. All right, let's go to verse 13. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. And they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. And at first glance, this sounds sounds okay, maybe a little weird, but it sounds too bad. Uh, these, These guys were rip-off artists. This was ancient quackery. You know what quackery is? This, this was ancient quackery. These guys would just travel and, and, and come into town and say, we have an incantation for whatever you need. <laughs> you got problems, we've got answers. You know, we can fix, we can fix anything. And they would, they, people would pay them, give them money, so that they would speak some cryptic, half-spiritual, half-mystic, half-nonsense. That's three halves, if anybody's paying attention. Um, jargon over them, right? And these guys are watching Paul, and Paul's, man, Paul's doing great. Like, like, so they, they, they listen to, to what Paul's saying, and they write it down, and they practice it a few times, and then they try it out on the wrong evil spirit. And it reminds us of James chapter 5, verse 19. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God good for you. And then James says this, even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. You see, Jesus is not your good luck charm. Don't conjure up the name of Jesus when you think you might gain from it. Call on the name of Jesus every day in good season or in bad, in harvest or in famine. Don't pull him out of your bag of tricks when you just need him or when you, when you want him. Don't show up at church when you need a favor from Jesus and then disappear when things are going good. Um, <laughs> uh, I love you. I hope you love me back. Don't, well, here's another one. Don't throw extra money in the offering plate when you need a favor from Jesus. 
not your good luck term. There is power in the name of Jesus. Verse 18. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. Have you ever had um, someone say that they were sorry, but you knew they didn't mean it? Ever have somebody come to you and ask for forgiveness, but then their actions didn't back it up? And so it really didn't, it really didn't mean anything? Well, this is, that's not what these folks do. These people were sorry for their sins, and they meant it. They didn't just confess. They committed to real change. They confessed of their sins, and then they committed to never go back to the way they were living before. And they took steps to ensure that the the former life was really, 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 really gone. You see, sometimes we, we step away from sin, but we don't step far enough. And we leave it right there just in case. You know, there are things that you could do today that would, that would fix tomorrow's temptation. And, and yet we don't. And we step away, but, but we, don't, we don't step far enough away from that. We don't totally remove the temptation. Uh, finish, this, finish this sentence for me. If your right hand causes you to sin... If your iPhone causes you to sin, get an Android. <laughs> if, if your smartphone causes you, um, if your computer causes you to sin. We thought about having a giant fire outside Uh, right over here this morning, opening up those doors and having a big bonfire out there. And then we thought about things like fire bans and burning down Moncton. We could be known as the church that set Moncton on fire. (laughs) Literally. But take, take, take serious steps. Take real steps and separate yourself far enough from that temptation or far enough from that sin that that sin is no longer an issue in your life, that that, that, that is broken in your life, that those chains are broken in your life. Do whatever it takes. Oh, the second part of verse 19. Well, no, I'm going to read. Uh, sorry, I'm going to read all of 19, but that's okay. You can leave that up. Leave that up. A number of them who would have been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. We almost had a, a bonfire this morning. And the value of the books was several million dollars. Um, so we estimate about the value of the books being around 50,000 pieces of silver and each piece of silver being equal to a day's wage. So 50,000 days wages being thrown in the fire. And so you can, see that you can see that these people are serious about following Jesus. You can see the, the progression of their faith, their spiritual formation, um, their, their trust in God to supply all their needs. 
their willingness to let go of the world and, and take hold of God's hand. The cross before me, the world behind me. Burning these ultra-valuable books. I mean, books in the first century are ultra, ultra-valuable. And burning these, these valuable books in a fire is a no-turning-back commitment. Now, I want to say this carefully. I'm your pastor, and I love you. Okay, we've, we've established that. Are we okay? This is yes. Bobblehead Church. All right. There are things out there that are obviously evil and need to go in the fire. Okay? Now, stick with me. There are a lot of other things that the world, the enemy, has cloaked as harmless. But they really need to go in the fire. Jesus is all you need. Get your spiritual direction from him and no other source. You can't have it both ways. Nothing else is compatible with Jesus. The very first commandment is that we would have no other gods before him. Don't dabble in anything but Jesus. And, 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 and then I was thinking about that and I, I was writing it and I was thinking, okay, I like that, but I don't even want you to dabble in Jesus. I want you to go all in. For, I don't want you to just stick your big toe in Jesus. But don't dabble in anything. Some of that stuff needs to go in the fire. Verse 20. The message about the Lord whoosh, spread widely. And it had a powerful effect. This is the church going viral because changed lives lead to changed lives. When people saw... The power of the gospel in other people's lives. When they saw them taking these books and pitching them in the fire, they didn't think they were hysterical. They didn't think they were wasteful. They didn't think they were nuts. They wanted what they, they, they saw that these people were devoted. They saw that these people had a real faith, a real transformation by Jesus. And, and people wanted what those people had. And they wanted to live that way too. Churches don't grow because they build big buildings. Churches grow when the Spirit of God is radically transforming lives. And those people go and tell others and people keep coming because they want to experience the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ in their life too. That's why it grows. Changed lives lead to more changed lives. Well, it's confession time. And um, if you don't have one of these and you want one, uh, the ushers are going to be, they're going to be walking around. And uh, we'd love for everybody to have one of these. And uh, Graham and David Way, maybe you'd uncover the, uh, the shredders here for us. That would be, that'd be great. We did this a few years ago. The confessions, and the confessions are going in. You're going you're gonna to put your confessions in the shredder. Um, all of us, all of us, myself included, all of us sin. And if you need one of these, just, just flag. If you need multiple copies, that's okay. If one's not big enough, you know, if you're thinking, what am I going to do with that? That's a good start. If you need a stack of them, uh, balcony as well, they're up, they're walking around at the balcony. 
And we're going to give you a, a couple of minutes um, when I'm done here. We're just going to play for a couple of minutes just to give folks a chance to, to fill these out. And we want you to listen for God's voice. And allow, allow God to surface the things that need to go in the fire. Allow God to surface the things, just like the people in Ephesus that threw their stuff, they threw their junk in the fire. Right down front here, Brian. Yeah. And if God brings something to your mind, don't, don't do um, theological gymnastics with the Lord trying to justify why that certain thing is okay for you and not for everybody else. Because we do that all the time. We try because we want to be okay. And so we convince ourselves all the time that things are okay, even when we think it's wrong for somebody else, but it's okay for me. So don't do, if God surfaces, whatever he surfaces, write it down. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. The shredder is the next best thing to a fire. Uh, because once it's gone, it's gone. Don't put your fingers in the shredder. When you let it go, it's gone. It's not coming back. And it's destroyed. Because that is the victory that Jesus won for us on the cross. You have no power over sin. The power is his. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can wash away our sins. That's it. Psalm 103 verse 12. He has removed. Every time you hear that, every time you hear the shredder, he has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. When you're finished with your confession, when you've finished writing things down, um, hand it to the person next to you to make sure you haven't missed anything. No. I'm joking. I, d- I did say to one person, I want yours initialed by your wife. I was joking. I'm just joking. You don't have to have it initialed by anybody. In fact, nobody needs to see it. It's just between you and the Lord. So when you're done, um, come to the front and uh, run it through the shredder. There's three of them. And uh, just come through. We invite you to come from the balcony as well. Um, we're going to give you a couple of minutes, and I'm going to pray. But let, um, as we're doing this, uh, maybe you're here this morning and, uh, and you realize in this moment that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You know about Jesus. You've been coming closer. But you've never taken that, that step to really invite him to be Lord of your life. See, Jesus... I want you to be more than a historical figure. I want you to be real. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have your presence living inside me. I don't want to wonder about this. I want to be clear about this. And maybe if, you're, if, if that's where you're at this morning and uh, you need to accept him into your heart right now as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to invite you to, to stand right now with, with everybody who wants to look around, looking around, because we want to we cheer for you. And uh, if this is your day today to invite him to come into your life, um, 
Would you just stand to your feet? And I'll, I'll pray with you. And, uh, and we'll celebrate with you. And the Bible says that heaven rejoices. They throw a party when, uh, when we do that. Is there anyone here this morning say, Pastor Tim, today's the day. I don't want to just know about Jesus. I want to know him personally. Let's go ahead and stand to your feet wherever you are. Just ignore everything that's going on down at the front here. Can we just hang on a second? Just hang on a second so that we see if there's anyone here who needs to stand and accept Christ. Did I just not say, can we just hang on a second? Is there anyone this morning who would like to stand? Say, Pastor Tim, I need to invite Jesus Christ into my life today. Let's pray together. The band's going to play and uh, then bring your confessions forward. Lord, I just thank you again, God, this morning for the power of your word and the power of your, your presence being here with us today. And Lord, I pray specifically this morning for those who are coming a little closer to you all the time. And I pray, God, that you would help them to Give them the courage. Give them the courage, God, to take that final step and trust you with their life forever. Lord, right now, it's a, we're, we're thankful that we have an opportunity to come to a God who wants to forgive and, and restore us, a God who wants to show us his grace and his mercy. And Lord, I just pray that as we shred these sins this morning, that you would break every chain. Some people here today, God, will write stuff on this piece of paper that they, that's been junk in their life for years. They've been dragging this stuff around for far too long. And God, I pray that, that in these next few moments, that you would help them to step so far away from that sin and, and, and to, by your power Lord that you would help them to, to really truly honestly break the chains today that they would never ever go back to that sin that you would set them free today there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain and so God set us free this morning I pray and ask in Jesus name Amen